This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Misfits of Science, episodes four and five. Logger, he brought the soul of his dead little boy halfway across the world just to send it up on your precious top-secret shuttle. Damn it! That's exactly what he's going to do. If you want us to start tossing lightning bolts or tossing the guns out of your hands, we can do that. That's fine. We may even beat you. We're going to help Link put that carving on that shuttle. With you or without you. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast wearing its dignity on the inside. I'm Luke. Here's my co-host, Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I've seen it. I've spelled it. And I don't need it. <laughs> Wait, remember that? Did you spelled it or you smelt it? Smelt it. What did I say? I don't know. I, was, I wasn't 100% sure. It's, I've seen it. I've smelled it. And I don't need it. That's the line. Interesting. I don't remember that line at all. It's uh, when old uh, Courtney Cox goes down into the sewer, and she doesn't want to go into the sewer. <laughs> yeah. Episode five. Hey, can I just say something right off the bat? Yeah. These are not very good episodes, these two. What do you think? No. Do you agree with me? 100%. They're not yeah. very good. <laughs> all right. I think that's it. We're done. <laughs> that's the episode, everybody. See you next Yeah, week. that's it. Yeah. There's, there, wouldn't that be wonderful? We actually just signed off, and everyone's like, oh, it's, it was like two minutes. Two minutes, bad episodes, eh? Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what we're doing, so here we go. No, no, we're going to go for hours. Well, I got a little, I put a little bit together here about the creator of the show, James D. I believe it's Perot, perhaps. Mm-hmm. How does he spell it? P-A-R-R-I-O-T-T. Per- oh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, something like that. Who cares? He's actually remarkably prolific for I know. Uh, for I, I took, I, I skimmed over before. He's worked on a lot of stuff. Well, did you see that he's a continuing drag claim to fame holder? Oh, oh no! What is that? He's directed a show we've watched before. Uh, can I guess? Yeah, of course. Let's say it was. So it's probably in this time period. Uh, it's probably early nineties. Um, late eighties. It's not. Yeah. It's in the eighties. Oh, oh, it's in the eighties. Um, Might even be the seventies. Was it uh, a Planet of the Apes? It is. Gemini Man. Oh, Gemini Man. Oh. Do, do you know which episode he directed? Can you can you guess? Can you remember a Gemini Man episode? I'm gonna guess it's the one where uh he he had there was two two people like he had a duplicate. Sam Casey. Sam Casey is the episode he directed. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. I got that. It's the only memorable episode of that show, so it's fair. <laughs> it is funny. I was literally, you said that, and I was like, what's an episode I remember? And I was like, oh, yeah, there was one where he played two people. And he kept, like, he kept like making out with that woman, remember? I do remember. I do. <laughs> this show wasn't very good, huh? <laughs> I mean, he, he has quite a long history. Like, he mm-hmm. did a bunch of sort of writing through the 70s. I think sort of from what I could see, his biggest writing gig in the 70s was he did 13 episodes of The Bionic Woman. Mm-hmm. Which maybe is where he cut his teeth. I can't be sure, but like it seems like that's where it was his biggest stretch at the top of his career. But he's been credited with creating seven different TV series. That is very impressive. Uh, before Mrs. of Science, he was credited with creating uh, Voyagers! Exclamation mark a like sort of family kids time travel show. Yeah, and then he went on to create a show called Hawaiian Heat. <laughs> yeah, 
Is Hawaiian Heat like an action show or a cooking show? It's a cop show. Yeah. And then after Misfits of Science, because he did that, he he left that, and then he went on to create a show called Forever Night. Mm, yeah, 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 I know Forever Night. I think it's on our list, deep, deep into our list of something we may watch uh, 10 years from now. Yeah, yeah, keep it, keep it in mind, because it is a vampire detective in Toronto. That's right, yeah. It sounds terrible. And then he did a, a show called Matt Waters, which was a teacher drama starring Montel Williams. Wow. You know what's funny? I never, uh, not that uh, one would think of Montel Williams, but I just assumed he only ever had a talk show. I didn't, didn't uh, ever kind of think about that he would have had another career as, you know, an actor or whatever. Yeah, I was trying to picture it too. I'm like, Montel Williams is the teacher of this drama. That's interesting. You know what Montel Williams seems to do now? is uh infomercials where you it's like you think it's a tv like a talk show but he's actually just like selling you a pill a juicer yeah <laughs> well no not quite it's like it's it's like it's like you know there there's there it's like a pharmaceutical company uh, uh hoodwinking you yeah 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 after that he created a political drama called the american embassy and then finally most recently like, i think this is like 2006 or 9 somewhere in that area mm-hmm. he created a show called defying gravity uh, it's basically Grey's Anatomy in space. Wow, it's it's interesting. He's created so many shows, but I don't. Maybe it's just me, but none of them seem like they were like terribly successful shows. I think uh, Forever Night might be the might be the only one that made it past one season. Hmm. Maybe Voyagers went a little longer. I'm not sure, but most of them were kind of one and dones. Right. Regardless, that's a that's a a wide variety of TV shows. He's he's got a kick at the can. A lot of times. He's probably a really nice guy, which oh, also probably absolutely. Helps. I mean, I think that must be the case. He he seems to be on a lot of shows. He writes a lot. Like, he wrote for Grey's Anatomy. So he must, like, be a guy people like to have in the room. Mm-hmm. And but, Misfits of Science. And Misfits of Science. Well, that's probably a great lead-in. So here's the IMDb summary for Episode 4, Lost Link. A man who has never left his homeland miraculously travels from one side of the ocean to the next on a wooden raft to reach the space shuttle in time. The misfits desperately try to help, but he keeps wandering off from them. (laughs) You know what? That's pretty accurate. I think it pinpoints the biggest problem with the episode. (laughs) Well, no, uh, there's a lot of problems with this episode. Maybe that is the biggest. Let me just say one thing off the bat. This is called Lost Link. Mm-hmm. And the assumption I had from the beginning Me too. is that this is going to be about uh, uh, your sort of uh, uh, a Bigfoot. Sti- yes, like the missing link, as yeah. it were, in in the evolutionary uh, chain of uh, chain of events or whatever you'd call it. Um, but it's not what it is. It's somehow much worse. And uh, what's odd about it is they call him Link. I guess as if. He is the missing link, but there's never any indication that that's what the case is. So I don't know why these scientists would call him that. It's bizarre. It's like we're going to say right off the bat. He is a, and I this is probably the wrong term, but quote unquote, uh, a primitive person, not because he's a from the past, but because he's been so isolated in that he there's been no connection to modern society. But there's there's it's not anything to do with uh, the evolution of man at all. No, no. I mean, you're right. They repeatedly qual- call him, quote, a primitive the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, which is like, uh, anyways, this episode's bad. This is a bad episode. Uh, we, we said this before. I would say the first three episodes of the show are very fun. And then I hit into this one and I was like, oh, something's happening now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as promised by the summary, it starts with a man in a loincloth sailing a wooden raft to a beach in L.A. somehow. <laughs> it's weird because I wasn't sure what was happening at first because it's all kind of shot. I actually thought it was shot pretty well. It's dark. There's someone rowing at night. And then you see he's kind of on the beach and you're not really sure. But it does sort of like a hard cut to um, like bikini babes and like like beach police like it's Baywatch nights or something and they uh and they uh they try to like arrest him yeah they just see a man on the beach and they're like arrest that man <laughs> yeah and but it's like but there's no indication he hasn't done why. anything he's just standing on a beach in a one <laughs> yeah which is like no different than a bathing suit really it's not like he's like exposing himself he's no less dressed than those bikini babes <laughs> yeah and later on by the way I like um uh when they say uh we think he's from an island in the Philippines and uh, what the other doctor that's only going to be in this one episode, she's like, yeah, he sort of looks like he's from the Philippines. I was like, what an amazing uh, ability of research you have uh, at your disposal. He sort of looks like he's from that area, so he must be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the premise. They're like, they discover he's from, I guess, an uncontacted tribe. They think around the Philippines who sailed 8,000 miles. It's all such a weird, like, they put no effort into, like, doing any research. But they're just like, ah, this all seems like what we just made up on the spot we're scientists that's about that's enough so if he was like it's like it's the equivalent of like it was a tall uh very uh uh, uh white person with like blonde hair you'd be like well they must be from sweden <laughs> these must be You're like oh okay well this is what happens Possibly. is the police take the man they found on the beach the only place you would take him humanidine yeah they take him to humanidine and then they're like and that's the first time they're like, I remember, because I, I wrote it in quotes, uh, uh, Billy goes, he's a primitive. I was like, ooh, Billy. Um, but uh, uh, they sort of are doing tests of him. And then I don't understand how this works. There's a couple weird things here. Um, we get a little, a few of the scenes of like, how crazy this place is, which they've sort of like peppered through the show I will so say far. that this is maybe the best part of the show, which is like, tw- like 12 seconds every episode, is they keep just going to Humanidine. And when they get there... It just like all this wacky stuff is happening in the mm-hmm. background all the time. Like it's like a really active, crazy place to hang out. Like the episode will always end up being ends up being boring. But like for some reason, when you come into Meanadine, it's always weird. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there have been these two te- test subjects. One guy with a really big beard, like an older guy with a really yes. big beard. Every single episode so far, they've been in the background doing some sort of weird test on these two people, and they're always That's in right. every episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, I've, I did notice too, because, yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, anyways, these two guys. And then there's one of the one is, like, the guy who can transmit radio signals or something to that effect. Yeah, there's um, a gag where it's, like, a man who just has the radio coming out of his mouth because, I guess, his fillings or something. And uh, I believe Stepmire grabs his head and twists it around and it changes the channel. Yeah. Anyways, it doesn't mean anything. It's just to show how, how zany is. I would agree. It's a good uh, world-building uh, thing that they do in this show. Um, but it does make you think, like, let's have something fun happen in the lab because you guys look like a lot of fun things are happening. It looks like you guys have the most fun setting up these lab scenes. You don't seem to have any fun setting up any other scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so let me ask you if this makes sense, Luke. So they do some sort of test on him. We don't really know what they're testing. Um, it's not really clear because, like, what would you test? He's just a human but anyways then they decide to am i wrong put him in a zoo you are correct i believe what happens is and i have to i'm i am making connections the show does not for us but my understanding of what happens is based on some filling in the blanks (laughs) is that humanidine then transfers link to the 
anthropology department of the company who then decide ah. to place him in a zoo so he can be closer to his natural habitat. I know, but it's like, but his natural habitat is not, it's not a zoo. Like a zoo is a bad representation of nature. It so makes it's no not sense. like he would be more comfortable there. If anything, you would think it would be worse because there, he's essentially in a cage. He's not essentially in a cage. He is in a cage. Um, but there's also something they add in this episode, and it's only really for kind of a gag beat at the end with Dick um, Stetmeyer, uh, old Alf boy, and uh, which is they get like a new boss in this. He's like the heavy. He is the head of the anthropology department, so they're interfacing with a different department, I think is the idea. Uh, but like okay. it's so hard to understand. I don't get me wrong. Like, I, I thought I they just added it. a guy in like a new police chief sort of deal. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird. They put him in the zoo. <laughs> what we kind of learn is he's carrying around this like carving of a little Totem. human figure and he keeps trying to use it to explain things to them but he can't speak english obviously and they don't really understand why he's like he's drawing triangles they can't really figure out what he wants well luke if you can't communicate with someone what is the universal language and how would you best uh, uh communicate with someone there's only one way to communicate with this person <laughs> is to call up johnny b to come <laughs> sing and dance for him and then they'll both do a dance number together and they'll be like he likes us now this is uh this is something that uh, this reminded me of like a scene from Encino Man. It's such a weird. It's just like a little dancing. What's what song is Johnny not saying the lyrics to? <laughs> I can't remember, but it's it's an interesting point you make. I can't remember what the song is, but all of this 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 show has a ton of um uh music and popular songs that you would recognize, but they're obviously re-recorded versions because they can't get the real real ones. Like they've had um They've had the Beatles in one episode, but it's clearly not the Beatles. Um, but I can't remember what this is. Everything's very, like, uh, uh, late 1950s, early 1960s. That's the kind of, like, uh, Johnny B's uh, wheelhouse of rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so this sort of brings Link around, even though Link, for some reason, there's, a, like, a running gag that Link doesn't like Dr. Billy until the end when they, like, make up or something. But it's just a weird side plot that dr billy's jealous that link and johnny have a better relationship well and i'm, I'm gonna make us jump all around because i hate this episode but he shouldn't like billy and uh, did you notice there's something weird in this episode so we should say there's a uh this is not a serialized show at all but there's gonna be a few elements and one of them is that jane is pregnant mm -hmm. with billy's baby even though they're not together um i'm not and i think you're right Billy's baby but we'll see what happens i i think it is billy's baby and i think um uh, I think you're right. I think the actress was just pregnant. Um, but uh, what's weird is that they sort of like have this like, well, we're going to kind of figure out our relationship and stuff. And then later on this episode, he's got like another woman with him. Does he? Did you? Yeah. When they when they have like their little they go to like the beach thing at the very end. That's I thought that was Jane. No, there's another woman with him. He's like got a date. I thought that was Jane. Are you sure it wasn't no. Jane? 100% sure, because Jane is sitting in another chair up higher. She's there beside this other woman, and they don't they don't mention it at all. It's just like, yeah, Billy, he's got another girl. I'm like, he's just made this one pregnant. Well, that's what's also weird. Like, what kind of happens is uh, the Human Investigation Department is now, I guess, interfacing with the Anthropology Department of Humanidine or something, and this is why we get a new anthropologist character uh, named Deanna to the episode. Um, and she's there to not do much, but I guess provide a little exposition, but also because they want a subplot where Dr. L needs to ask her out because they're getting together this weekend for a thing and he needs a date for it. And like, 
it nothing really happens it's just like the whole episode is like he just is like standing next to her giving her googly eyes and then finally he like asks her out and she accidentally shrinks him to a tiny person and she gets freaked out but you know they go on this date and my question for you was this whole date they were setting up all episode he needed a date for this event and at the end you cut to them just sitting on a beach and the only people there are dr billy with a date then Apparently, Jane's there by herself, Glow's there by herself, Johnny's there by herself, and then Dr. L and Deanna are there on a date. I'm just like, this is what he needed to date for, to sit on this beach with you guys? It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. Um, it, it, The whole thing is bad. And I'm going to say something, and I, we don't have need to get into this because it's probably not really what this podcast is. But, like, I don't know if this is a thing of, of the times, but... It was also really obvious to me that they were going to have to set up a relationship between these two because they're the only people of color. Yeah. Is the two doctors. And it's just a weird thing where it's like, well, we already have all these love triangles happening, but we can't have him having another love triangle because he's clearly not the same race. So we'll have to add another character so there can be a uh, relationship that the audience is comfortable with. (laughs) I mean, you're almost certainly not wrong. Yeah. It just, it just like, it just smacked of like, there's nothing here I like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Deanna barely has a character in this, but she's always hanging out with them. She's like the anthropologist they're hanging out with. I I really like the setup for her character, though, is because her character is supposed to be this doctor who works for the anthropology department, but she's some sort of rogue anthropologist with questionable <laughs> methods who's yeah. always getting in trouble because the head of the department you mentioned, this like new boss character who can yell at them all episode, is this guy who runs her department and he essentially acts like a police captain dealing with a rogue cop all episode. Like she's some sort of rogue anthropologist and her, ro- her anthropologist boss yeah. is always like, I'm going to take away your badge, Deanna. It's like the weirdest, the but we also weirdest never see way of it. handling these characters. It's, they, they only, you're right, but it's like a lie in a dialogue. But we never see her actually really do anything until... Um, for all intents and purposes, she's sort of forced to through her connection with the misfits. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're just like having fun. I think they're like, oh, this character's like a rogue cop and he the, her boss is like the police ship, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's just like to have a scene, but like it means nothing because she has no consequence on the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um back to the little dancing scene. I just want to really articulate how dumb this is. It's like a whole dance sequence and it's like literally Johnny is playing music on a harmonica and they notice that like this character they're going to call Link starts like tapping his foot. Anyways, it was so dumb. It's, I just want to say like, it's the dumbest sequence the show has done. Don't worry. I have clips that I'm going to put on Instagram so you, everyone can watch. <laughs> good. Good. At any rate, what happens is they talk to this department head. He finally gives in. He says, okay, I'll let you, the misfits of science go out into the world with Link to try to figure out what he wants like why did he come here let's just well i'll let you wander the city hoping to figure it out this is this is a good point luke because this episode is very confused because here look we'll just say what it is what 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 we there's a little hint at the beginning of the episode which is we see that he has somehow got um a page from a magazine that has a picture national geographic that has a rocket on it and what we're going to find through the course of the episode is that what he's been trying to articulate to them is that he wants to get a rocket because he wants to put the totem on it because it it goes up into the air and he has some sort of concept of the soul or heaven or God or the afterlife. And he wants this representation or what is carrying his son's soul to go up into the sky. So yes, that he's seen a space peace. shuttle. He understands what a space shuttle is and how it works. And he wants to place this inside of the space shuttle. That's basically the plot. Fine. There's actually, there's actually, that's not, that's not the, I think the main problem of this. It's that, 
there's nothing really to get there. So, like, why do they take him out into the streets of Hollywood? Just because. It's like, but how, is, how would that ever solve what you were doing? Like, this episode could all take place in the lab where they try to find commonalities and language or ways to communicate. And I know that's maybe not as fun an episode, but the episode they have decided to write, none of the actions make sense. Yeah, well, to, I mean, to get to that point, that's what I mean. They, they're, they're for some reason allowed to li- let leave the zoo with him. They take him to the diner Glowworks at, where he then proceeds to eat coins for some reason. He just, they just give him coins and he eats them. And I'm like, is this? I don't know what. This well, they is. want all that fish out of water stuff, but it doesn't really, it, it just doesn't do amount to anything. No. And also, I'm gonna say he doesn't uh, grow at all as a character. It's not like they're not gonna end up having the thing where like. He's wearing hilarious, like, very on-point 80s clothing, and he learns, I don't know, he, he learns sense of humor or something like that. It's just, like, he's going to stay this for the whole episode. Well, he's barely with them is the problem. Like, they, for whatever reason, are like, let's leave the zoo, and maybe he'll sh- figure out what, understand what he wants somehow via, I have no idea what. Like, there's no plan, right? Go to the diner. In the diner, he looks out a window and sees a man wearing a jacket that's got, like, a space shuttle on the back of the jacket. Yeah. Link starts freaking out, jumping on tables, pointing out the window. None of the misfits look out the window to see what he's pointing at. They're just like, what do you do? Like, they have no interest or curiosity at all. No, instead, there's the most anticlimactic bar fight ever. Yeah, some guys get mad that Link's jumping around, so they stand up and be like, this guy jumped on our table. And then, like, Glow and Johnny use their powers to murder them. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if they actually murdered them? I mean, She just rips their heads off their body like it's Mortal Kombat. And while they're having this, like, non- bar fight bar fight it takes like nothing happens it's like maybe 10 seconds somehow they lose track of like there's seven of them there's like seven misses they all lose track of link and he gets on a bus to hollywood <laughs> yeah and then he's just like Again, missing he's just missing for 20 minutes well the it's funny I, i'm i don't know if i even love the this like the other kind of like broader comedy this could have been but it just seems like they didn't make the choice of what they wanted it to be because if it's going to be this this character who is uh, uh, does not know anything about modern society and that sort of uh, deep well of wouldn't it be funny if he doesn't know this and does know that you know it's Star Trek four but that's not even what they want to do they just they have this character and they don't know what to do with him and they don't actually have a clean plot so they're just like oh I guess he'll just go missing for a bit yeah like we that's get a, we get a montage of him like wandering around Holly weird if you will Jordan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. But the montage. Well, hey, did you notice, by the way, how uh, in the in the last thirty years that this show has been almost forty years, um, this show has been off the air? Um, how much cities have changed? Because this is sort of pre this uh, uh, glut of chain restaurants and stores and things. So everything is still. I'm fil- assuming they're filming this in in L.A. It still looks sort of like uh, cute and uh, uh, almost archaic because it's still like mom and pop shops, which I'm. There's no way that's what it is now. It's all Starbucks and McDonald's and whatever chain stores, you know? Yeah, I would say that the best part of the montage is just having... It's like the timestamp of seeing L.A. at a very specific period of time. Because otherwise, the montage is pretty uninspired. Like, it's all just, like, him wandering around. Things that are, like, vaguely interesting happen, but not even that interesting. Until finally he finds a store and he looks in the window and there's, like, a model of a space shuttle inside. So he runs inside, steals that space shuttle. While this has been happening, we've been cutting back to the misfits of science and like, you know, we're, we're what, 20, 20 minutes into the episode now. So they yeah. finally called probation officer Jane to join the episode. 
<laughs> that's, you know, also, we should say, they've added this new character. I didn't catch what the other doctor's name is. The, the, the Deanna. Lincoln, Deanna. They've brought her in, which is fine, perfectly fine. It's like, but I'm sure you could have rewritten this episode a little bit, so maybe Jane had some more dialogue. You've added another character, but given Jane just as little to do. Jane's whole thing is she she's suddenly there, and she's like, Hi, everybody. Thanks for calling me. I called in a favor with the police department, so now all the police in L.A. are looking for them. I'm looking for Link. I'm like, I don't see how that would work, but okie dokie. Yeah, and then she like kind of spends a few scenes driving around with a police officer that apparently is a friend of hers. Yeah, yeah, the misfits like spend this montage. We just keep coming back to them driving, driving around, doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, a cop sees Link because he stole in the space shuttle. They chase after him. Link climbs like this uh, fire escape up the side of a building, and the misfits like pull up and they're like, "Oh no, he's going to fall!" And like he drops the space shuttle, and as he falls, Glow uses her like brain powers to like catch him. She mind freaks Which, by him the so he way, doesn't die. I think they've gotten more vague about what her powers are because it would it always seemed Anything. to me that she had the ability to like kind of like push like with a great force you know um and sort of like pin people to walls and stuff but now she can like she's essentially like gene gray she can just like levitate and hold yeah she can kind of and... just she can kind of manipulate any object with her mind it seems like that's i guess the what it is who knows though sure as required i'm sure to the plot as required right also, I should say, uh, uh, L. Lincoln, uh, right, uh, Elvin. He, uh, uh, it's it's what I think we feared, Luke. There's there's no reason for his powers. So now, what I think in, the, in these these two episodes, the only time he really shrinks, I think, with maybe one exception of it being like part of a plot, is like it's an accidental thing, and it's like, isn't it hilarious? And so twice he accidentally shrinks to freak someone out. <laughs> yeah, it's like because they don't know because they're like we need to remind the audience he has a power that is useless. At any rate, they so they've saved Link from falling, except that that angry head of the anthropology department pulls up in his own cop car for what? Who, why is he in his own cop car? Who knows? He con- he like confiscates <laughs> Link to bring back to the zoo because the misfits are in trouble or something. And this is what's driving me insane. It's like, so the whole episode is like, they don't know what to do, what Link wants. They have no idea. Yeah. So they just take him to wander the city at random. When they finally catch up with him, they watch him drop something i'll grant that maybe they can't see he's holding a model of the space shuttle but he drops it off the side of the building before he falls it breaks to pieces on the ground but it's still clearly recognizable as a space shuttle but the misfits of science have zero curiosity about anything do not investigate the thing they saw him drop do not see anything they just watch link get dragged out they're like well we still have no idea what he wanted and like it takes us 30 minutes for them to even like vaguely figure out what he wants so we're just we have 30 minutes of being of the entire plot being like i wonder what this guy wants yeah and it's this weird thing where um uh, you know sometimes you have in television where the viewer knows more than uh the characters and you have to wait for them to sort of catch up and sometimes you and i think usually uh it's better if you kind of learn along the way with the characters it's sort of revealed as time goes on um, I think it's harder to have impact when you're waiting for the characters to catch up. And this is a, a a perfect example of it done poorly, which is we know from one of the very first scenes what he's looking for. And there's no real uh, inciting incidents that will get us. And there's and no real conflict that will get the characters to where we need to get. So we're just waiting for them to kind of fumble around it's very frustrating it just gets very frustrating because they've had you know they've had a few opportunities to understand what he wants and every time they like the the joke i guess is they always miss what he's pointing at or miss the message he's giving them but it just becomes very frustrating as an audience member yeah i mean ultimately what happens is they end up back at the zoo 
I'm going to give it this to the actor playing Link. I actually think he handles this final scene where he finally explains them what he wants really well. And only because this is like a very difficult scene, I think, to do for any actor. But like he back at the zoo, he sees pregnant Jane, touches her belly. And then using non-verbally, he explains via basically movement. I don't know. What would you call it? What's that game you play where you have to act out scenes? Charades? Charades. He basically charades out a scene where he was busy working at home. His child came to visit him. He told his child he was busy and kind of told her to leave. And the kid ended up drowning in a river and he never found the body. And that's why he's here is to take this carving of his daughter, of his child's soul to like get it to heaven. And the actor like acts this out. And it's a bit silly, I won't deny. But I actually thought the actor did a surprisingly pathos ridden job of it. I agree with you. This is, if there's a thankless role, it's this role. Because it is, it's. Yeah, there's, there's, you have to, you have to, it's a lot of like big acting and stuff. And I, I, I agree. I think the actor did a very good job with, with the material he was given and the material is bad. Yeah. I was surprised how much empathy I had for him during that sequence. Anyway, so now the misfits have figured out what, why he has that sculpture, that carving he's done. And he just keeps drawing triangles. And then as he's doing it, they're like, well, we still don't know what he wants. He wants to do something with his dead son's soul. Then Billy out of nowhere is just like, I've got an idea. And he just pulls out the day's paper and holds it in front of Bill of Lincoln's. It's got a big picture of the space shuttle on it. Cause the space shuttle is apparently in LA getting ready to be transported to Florida. And you know, Link's like, that's it. He points at the thing. They're like, well, we figured it out. He wants to put it on the space shuttle. I'm just like, how did you guys like you, you were given no information to like point you towards the space shuttle. You just kind of like, we're of Like we have to end this. We have to have them figure it out. Yeah. And it, you, you're right, though. It's odd, though, because there's been many moments in the episode where this information could have weirdly more easily presented itself to the to the audience and to the characters to learn. But they were just like, meh. Ran out of time. Ran out of time. Just jamming it later. Anyway, obviously the anthropology department head won't let them leave again. And we get we get what begins as a classic scene where finally, like, their nebbish-like boss, Dick Stepmeyer, finally stands up for them and says... You know, he kind of gives a speech about how if it was his son who had died and he wanted to get a soul, like he would he would do this. So, like you know, it's that classic scene where you're like, oh, they're they're kind of nebbish bosses standing up for them and helping them get what they want. That takes such an odd turn as he stands up to this department head, and then Dick Stepmeyer's like, all right, strip him and tie him up. I was just like, excuse excuse me. Yeah, it's well. There's a couple things. One, as you're saying. This is way too far for what they need because they've already said like we're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we, we want to do. Great, they've they've accomplished it. But they somehow this guy has so much power, or they're so worried about him that they have to tie him up and like gag him, which seems to that it would present a lot of problems later on. But what I like though is that the, when he's doing this, uh, Dick then says to Billy at one point, he goes, "Just so you know, like it to this effect, he's like, um, just so you know, this is this is off hours. This is me doing it. This isn't like company policy." And I was like. Oh, so that makes it okay. Yeah, it's like he wants he wants them to know that I know he knows he's doing something bad, but he's not doing it on company time. Yeah, don't expect this to happen every day. I'm not gonna strip yeah. up. I'm gonna strip a man and time up every day. Yeah, I mean that's gonna make some awkward meetings later on. I was it was very funny, and I, what kind of happens? You know, obviously they take Link, they run off, they jump in the ice cream truck, and head toward the airfield, and we keep cutting back to Dick with this guy tied up in his office, and Dick is like calling the air force base just be like hey the misfits of science are on their way they just need to put something on your space shuttle 
and like the head of command, this military guy at the space shuttle place is just like, we'll shoot them on sight. We're like, what? It's just like this whole this whole thing was weird though. It was just like why would the why would let's say let's say it's NASA. I don't know if it's the military, but let's say the military, whoever it is, why would they say yes to this? It's just some random science lab going, Hey, we want to put something on your rocket. And now I'm not saying the response should be we're gonna shoot you down, but they should be like, I'm sorry, there's a process of uh that you need to go through to speak to someone who can possibly take your request for reasons i mean my assumption was that like and i they kind of use this as like humanidine clearly works a lot with the military and like he kind of implies they're using some of their technology on the space shuttle and that's why they maybe should listen to him on the phone like which is you know already nebulous just like it's a pretty big request to randomly call this guy up with but then for that guy's response to be like we will murder them the second we see them i was like yeah what and then yeah. and it's, it's it's to add this sort of like tension at the end of the episode but it's just it, honestly none of this works nothing in this episode works what's great though is like basically that's what dick gets he gets i've sent the misfits to die that's what he thinks has happened yeah so when we cut back to him next he has untied the head of the anthropology department who has gotten redressed and clothes from wherever the head of the anthropology department not angry not upset in any way <laughs> he's just like dick calm down Let's just call the state, like, uh, patrol to have them warn the misfits on their drive. I'm just like, this guy should be livid. He was stripped and tied to a chair. He seems to be over it so fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if I was ever in a scenario where a colleague tied me up, like, bound and gagged me, um, I wouldn't be that cool with it afterwards. <laughs> it's, it does. It, it raises a lot of questions. Whatever. None of it matters. The misfits arrive at the airfield. The guard won't let them in. So they're like, we need a new plan. There's only, they set this, they set a ticking collector. There's, there's only 47 minutes before the shuttle yeah. leaves on the back of that plane to go to Florida. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Go find it in Florida. And they're, Billy's like, we need a plan to get us in there. What if L shrunk down to a tiny size? We put him inside a large manila envelope. <laughs> And then on the manila envelope, I wrote, to the commander of the Air Force Base, and we asked the guard to deliver this envelope to the commander. Yeah, so their their plan was to to uh, save time. We'll put him in the envelope. He'll get there, grow, and then he'll be able to say, don't shoot them. We need to put a totem on the aircraft. That's the plan. Well, they don't even know they're going to shoot them. I think they're hoping that, like, the guard delivers the envelope. He opens it, and then a tiny L comes out and explains what they need. And he says, oh, I understand. Yes, of course. Please come to the special. <laughs> it's such a bad episode. But as soon as they give the envelope away, they see a cop car drive by and turn around. or immediately just like, uh-oh, the cops must be out to get us. And this is backed up because in the ice cream truck, they're listening to the radio. Just like the regular old radio music's playing, the news is on. A broadcaster cuts in to say, news is reporting that the misfits of science are on their way to stop the space shuttle. And I'm just like, who? Who's reporting this to the news? <laughs> maybe it's what's-his-face. He's being all nice to Dick, uh, this anthropology guy. And maybe he called the radio station. Yeah, I guess so. So they all get freaked out. They all jump inside the ice cream truck and like drive off to have a car chase with the cops. And once again, you know, there's like five or six people involved in the misfits of science in this episode they all pile into this truck drive off except not a single one of them looked to see if link was with them they've left link behind and he just like he's like well i'm gonna jump the fence i see the space shuttle so see you guys and like so you're just gonna 
giant stupid car chase with the cops in this ice cream truck until they're like, uh-oh, Link's not with us. Turn around. The, and the only thing I like about that, I don't know if you saw the one shot, that truck at one point does like a real uh, like a real turn. Yes. Um, and it came so close to flipping over. It's so funny because I, I agree. Like it almost flipped over and like they – they turn around and they'll like crash the gates of the military base. They'll just like drive through the gates and then like all the military will start shooting at them. And all I kept thinking, I'm just like, Jane's on that and she's pregnant. Like you, you're, you're, you're jeopardizing this pregnant woman so badly right now. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole thing is they drive under the base. They're trying to like get to link the military shooting at them. Cause I guess they are going to open fire if they see them. Finally, Back in command center, the military guy won't pick up his envelope. He's just left on it's just left on his chair for some reason. They keep doing gags where he almost sits on L because L just like sits in the envelope. Yeah. But you know, finally time runs out, so L grows. Which doesn't he stay that way for an hour? I don't know. An hour passes. He they, grows. He, uh, this is interesting. They in these next two episodes, this and the next one, they they fiddle a little bit and uh, bend the rules as to how long he's uh, small for because of plot uh convenience yeah maybe he's only small for 14 minutes whatever he grows to the giant size finally so now there's this like giant naked man in the middle of the base and they're like what do you want <laughs> cut to l and this like military general whoever he is they're they're pulling up at a jeep stopping the army from shooting anymore at the ice cream truck but they're like arrest all the misfits of science arrest link arrest them all and like dr billy gives a big impassioned speech which would never convince anyone of anything but it moves the general so much that he's like all right give me your carving i'll put it on the space shuttle and then then there's another weird thing we the, i don't know if it's right here luke or it's in a couple scenes but we see um a news like a news broadcast like part of the news is showing and it mentions well, there's one funny little timestamp because they mentioned Star Wars, which is one of my favorite uh, Reagan era things. But that's the reveal at the end to let you know it worked is that there's a newscast going on about this space shell that launched that its payload was three Star Wars satellites they were putting into orbit. I was like, what? Yeah, that and and they're like, and there was a totem, but uh, the military won't mention why they had a totem on it. I'm like, well, how would you have ever known? Yeah, they, the news knows they put this carving, this human. Car- they have a photo of it and they're like they put it into orbit. Although the best gag is that at the end of it, they're like, and now the Soviets are accusing the USA of, quote, using outer space voodoo. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cold War, you guys. It's hilarious. And then they they have, as we said, they have their sort of like picnic on the beach. And that's the end of the episode. Now, I have a question for you. They don't, they seem to be a scene missing, though, because they go like, oh, and Link uh, sailed back. That's, that's the thing. There isn't a scene missing. It cuts that party. And then they hard cut to Link in the middle of the ocean on his boat and i was just like you guys didn't fly him home you put him back on that boat and pushed him into the ocean yeah he's just like well i'll put all that behind me he died on the way back by the way that's <laughs> yeah, the yeah, guaranteed. Like, and he died <laughs> yeah bad episode a miracle he survived the trip over and the misfits plan is like well here's your boat good luck well they're like hey we don't have a boat we only have the ice cream truck we can't help you this episode man oh my god it's so bad here's the imdb summary for episode five Sort of looking for Gina. Really, this uh, brigantine Antoinette exhibit is very important to uh, 
board, you, you, you understand that it was Humanidine Diving Bell who recovered the, the treasure. It's more than a special project for me, Billy. This is more than a job. Oh, it sounds like a job for the police, Richard. Why don't you give them a call? <sighs> My party, Billy. The reception will be ruined tonight. I'll have insurance underwriters all, all, all over me. The papers will make a field day of it. How will that look? I love it. Sunken treasure jewel exhibit monstrous. Johnny is fascinated by a woman he's met, Gina. But whenever he meets her, she disappears when he's not looking. At the same time, some of the misfits <laughs> believe to have seen a monster in the sewer system. So all of them go down again to investigate. Sorry, give me that one sentence again. Which one? It, it, he's looking for her. It was it was very uh, 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 choppy there. I want to hear that it sentence my, again. It was my fault. I believe it was. But a woman he's met, Gina. But whenever he meets her, she disappears when he's not looking. I see. Okay. Anyways, um, here's the thing. This would be a very hard synopsis to write because it's another – look, this is not a good episode. I'm going to argue it's marginally better than the other one. I'm not even sure why, but in some ways this is more of a mess of an episode. It, it, nothing makes sense, and you don't understand what anyone's motivations are. I was I was listening to a different podcast because that's what I do. I listen to podcasts apparently. And someone on it mentioned the concept of a, an and-then script where the script is written just like, and then – and then, and then, right. and that's what this felt is like. Just like nothing ties into each other. Just like, and then something happens, and then something else happens. Yeah, and it's it seems like this one in particular, as uh, uh, in comparison to the previous episode, there's a lot of elements, and someone gave very little thought as to how they would connect. Because what what the basic things we're going to get is there's a mysterious woman who seems to be. Uh, for all intents and purposes, following Johnny that he doesn't understand. He can never see, kind of like find her. Um, there's also perhaps people living in the sewer. There's also like a jewel heist kind of happening. Sewer monsters. Uh, and like a sewer monster type thing. And all of this is supposed to kind of come together in the end, but in the least creative, uh, most clumsy way you could do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the setup is is that at this maritime museum in LA, the Humanidine board is hosting an exhibition and party for the discovery of the Antoinette's sunken treasure, a treasure said to be worth $30 million. Right. In the beginning of the episode, what we see is that they are having special security lasers set up to protect the treasure. And we see two of the installers have gone into the sewers underneath the museum. They sense something strange is in the sewers with them. So they light a match to have a look. The match then causes an explosion to happen. Mm -hmm. The workers aren't killed somehow. It's unclear how that could be possible based on the explosion. But what they report back is there is a mole monster living in the sewers. Right. And does this make any sense? I, I mean, when we finally get to the end of the episode, absolutely not. Right. Okay. That was the thing. So it's just like, and it's weird because this almost almost feels like the beginning, in some ways, to a show we watched not too long ago, which was Kolchak. 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 I don't know why I say that. Uh, Kolchak. Uh, where it's sort of like something kind of weird happens, and you know it's going to be a kind of a monster of the week, and there be, I mean, if it's Kolchak, probably something offensive to another culture, and you'd be like, oh, it's uh. Uh, Japanese people have a mole uh, that uh, is well known in, in their mythology. But this is like, it doesn't amount to anything. 
was the thing. This is the setup. It's like mole monster in the sewer, which, you know what? That's a good Misfits of Science episode. Uh, no spoilers, but by the end of the episode, you'll find out uh, there was, ne- was never a monster anywhere. And we, they barely, they give up on the monster idea like so quickly. This is followed by a second setup, which you mentioned already, sort of. But we see Johnny B. Apparently, he has a new band. They're practicing their new song at the rehearsal space. This, like, Gina woman, this strange woman appears. She watches them perform. Her and Johnny keep giving each other the eyes. It's a real, like, will they, won't they meet cute. Johnny ends the song, goes to talk to her, and she disappears into a manhole cover. And immediately, I'm just like, okay, there's some sort of shape-shifting mole monsters in the sewer. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing. Not even remotely what's happening. <laughs> no. And, and let me just take us off course for a minute. It's become, it became clear to me at this episode that I don't know if the writers and the people involved behind the scenes know what the goal of the misfits of science is. No. Is is it is it sort of like uh, using another show we've watched before? Is it like Freaky Links? Is it, are they just there to investigate weird things? Are they here to save the world like a superheroes? Is it to answer odd science questions in a uh, kind of fun sort of way? I'm not sure what what they are, what the hope is anymore for this team. No, I mean, I couldn't tell you either. Like, we can get into it more at the end. But I would say that all of these episodes feel like templates for an episode. You could have, like, subbed Matlock into one. You could have subbed. Right. You could have subbed the Golden Girls. Like, it, they're just like a plot that you could have put any number of shows into it just happens like oh well we're gonna use this plot for mistress of science so like wedge these characters in like it doesn't matter what they do it doesn't matter what their powers are their specialties they're just gonna solve this basic mystery by the end right but i'll give them this credit um it's it's never paint by numbers in the way some of these shows go like it's not like every episode feels the same every episode feels very different but you're right it doesn't necessarily feel like a different misfits of science episode it feels like you're watching a different television show with these characters kind of bouncing around. Yeah, well, you can't paint by numbers when you have literally no engine for what your stories are. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. At any rate, uh, Dick Stetmeyer has been in charge of this like museum gala by the board of directors. So he's trying to make sure it goes off without a hitch. And because the workers told him about the mole monster, he calls up the misfits to come into this, check out the sewers and make sure there's no mole monster down there. This, once again, is they they come with a lot of equipment, like they're carrying backpacks. They got all kinds of weird, like, blink and light equipment with them. They look them. like the Ghostbusters. Very much like the scene in the library from Ghostbusters. That's exactly what they look like. Yeah. They head into the sewers, the whole gang. They're looking around. There's this weird, they trip, they trip a wire and this, like, clown mannequin falls from the roof. I didn't understand this. It happened randomly. I don't really know what yeah. it means to the episode, but, like, a clown mannequin falls. And we see for the first time... That Glow gets scared, uses her mind powers to explode the mannequin. So she can explode a human being. No, I I, th- I don't think that's what happened, Luke. I think we may have just watched this scene differently. And I'm not saying I'm right. But what I saw that as, it was some sort of explosive booby trap. No, because what happens, it falls and they cut to her and they do the like the, the yeah, I know. thing. I, she exploded it. Well, that's what I mean. I think she like blew it up before they touched it. I think it had explosives in it. Oh, I don't think so. I think it was just a scare. I think it was just like a like a scarecrow. All right. Well, either way, she blew it up. Yeah, I think I think it, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what people to explode. We have two we have two different interpretations. Neither one matters because there's no explanation as to why this clown is there. 
as they keep walking through the sewers, they notice uh, the air is getting bad. They're like getting really lightheaded, having trouble breathing. But they're like, well, let's take a sample and just keep walking through the sewer. Yeah. And eventually they find a child, like a, a child sleeping on a dirty mattress in the sewers. They go yeah. to wake the child up. This child is scared. The child starts to run away from them. The child then proceeds to run straight into a wall and knock itself unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, it's supposed to be the gas, but that is what it looks like. I mean, yeah, this this little kid, he just runs into a wall and just knocks himself out. They come out of the sewers with the kid, call an ambulance. The ambulance takes the kid away. Johnny looks up. He sees Gina is watching the scene, so he chases after her once again. It's like, I'm going to go talk to this Gina lady I keep seeing. This time he does catch up to her. She's just weirdly standoffish with him, even though she knows everything about him. And then he, she's just like, well, if you'll pay for the bus fare, why don't we go on a shopping date? And that's what yeah. they do. They just do a shopping montage. Well, and it's also weird because you're right. She's standoffish, which is odd because she has been going out of her way to watch him like perform and, and practice and things. But I think it's supposed to have this turn of like he charms her and so she lets down her defenses. But that's not what we see. He's just like she's just like, will you pay for my bus? And he's like, yep. She's like, all right, shopping time. I was like, OK, so they're now together. Yeah, it was weird because because there's no real sense of what's happening. Like they go shopping. It seems like Johnny's buying everything for her. So like I'm like, is he is she scamming him? And then as soon as he turns around to buy her ice cream, she like once again just disappears. And, and he's like, where did she go? Yeah. Where she goes is she shows up at the hospital because she wants to like check in and make sure that kid from the sewer is okay. And we're not going to talk about a lot about this stuff. But like the kid from the sewer, his only personality trait is he wears a Walkman and just listens to music all the time. Mm-hmm. So when she shows up at the hospital, she's like, I brought the kid from the sewers a gift and hands the nurse a full record. And I'm just like, what is he going to do with a record? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe down in the sewer, he's got uh, he's got a record player. The really point of this is that you, you as a viewer are supposed to know that there clearly there's a connection between, uh, uh, what was her name? Susie? Gina. Gina. Sort between of looking Gina- for Gina, Jordan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, uh, sort of uh, G- Gina and this this boy. There's a connection, and it's clear there's a bunch of like r- runaway types that are now living in the sewer. Like, well, it's, it's not, not clear at all. They deal. just say that out loud. They're like, "What if there are more living <laughs> sewer?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Right. How are you anticipating this idea?" It doesn't matter. She she's she does that. She's at the hospital, and we know she probably lives in the sewer because she like tricks the nurse into giving her a shower. So. <laughs> Well, she doesn't trick the nurse into giving her a shower. She she giving her access her, to a shower. Access to a shower. That's right. Anyway, we cut back to the museum, and this has been happening this whole episode. I'm just only going to bring it up all now because it's like this is the like fifth or sixth plot that's happening concurrently in this episode. At the museum, it turns out there's an Australian man and his crew who are the ones who found the sunken treasure. This Australian man spent fifty thousand dollars diving and like digging up this treasure. Yeah. You know, he's just like, he's spent all his years of his life and a lot of money to get the treasure out of the ocean. But what he's discovered is since he's got the treasure, it is worth $30 million, but the government will not allow him to sell it because it's antiquities. So he found $30 million, but he's not allowed to profit off of it. He can only show yeah. it in this gala museum. And he's upset about that. So what's been happening is him and his crew have started flooding the sewers underneath the museum with methane. That was the bad air they smelled earlier. Because their plan is to, during the gala, explode several city blocks to cause a distraction while they go in and steal all of the treasure back 
the treasure that they own, they're going to steal so that they can, A, get the insurance money for, and B, resell it for $30 million. Yeah, which is, um, obviously there's problems with this, but it's such a complicated plan that the episode gives almost no time to. Like, what you've just said is more of an explanation than the episode gives you, because you're like, what? What is his plan? Why is he doing this? Because you know he's a bad guy right off the bat. This plan is parsed out in, like, 30-second chunks over the course of the entire episode where this Australian man just pops up. Like, it is, like, the fifth or sixth plot that's happening concurrently. Also, Jordan, I looked it up because they mentioned it briefly in the episode. They're like, just like just like Fairfax. I'm like, pardon me, just like Fairfax? And apparently in 1985 in Fairfax in L.A., there was a methane link in the sewers that exploded and, like, blew up a city block. And so they're like, what if that, but uh, in our episode... <laughs> Hmm. Also, I should say, I remember reading a book once about um, uh, sunken treasure, and I know it's changed the laws now, but it used to be that essentially it was finders keepers. Right. And there was a bit of a bit of that happening. And I don't know what the time period is. I actually think it was in the 90s where that changed. So I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, someone who knows more about uh, um, <laughs> a sunken treasure could correct me, but I, I don't think this is correct. So what you're saying he, is a lawmaker watched this episode of Mrs. Science said, we should have a law about that and put it into place. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it's his. I think it's his. If he spent all this money, he went down and put in a dive team and, and rescued all this treasure. I'm pretty sure in 1986 it would be his. Government says no, Jordan. <laughs> I know it's changed now. Like if you're off of the coast of wherever, let's say you're in the Bahamas and you and uh, that government would, would have claim to that that treasure. Right, right, right. At anyway, any rate, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. For this none episode. of this matters. At the at, like around the time of the episode, Doctor L, who took that sample of the bad air in the sewers, he does a test on it where he lights it on fire and explodes, and he's just like, "It's methane." So they figured out like the sewers are filling with methane. It's By the way, like, I love how long it took him to figure out it's methane. I was like, that that should have been an easy test for a scientist in a in a lab. Yeah, and it's so funny. The test he runs is like he puts it in a in like a case, and then he explodes. And he's like, "It exploded. It's methane." Yeah. <laughs> also, how much? How could he have taken that much air? I don't. I, none of it makes sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The misfits have also, as you said, because they met this one sewer kid. They're like, I bet you there's more sewer kids. We got to go down to the sewers and rescue all the sewer kids from the methane. Yeah. And so to do that, they're like, there's only one way we can get into the sewers, not through any manhole cover anywhere in that area. We have to crash the gala party that we've not been invited to so you can do a real slobs versus snobs sequence so that we can go into the basement of the museum and then re-enter the sewers it, like there's no reason they have to do this they just want this scene mm-hmm. yeah and we get we get the this like weird scene where someone where um jane and gloria are there at the this kind of fancy party and someone makes a comment about her like maternity clothes and so and so gloria pulls down the woman's zipper on her dress as as a like punishment yeah none of it makes sense like that's the thing they get to this party they they essentially crash it and we've seen them crash it because they're there to get into the sewers to rescue sewer kids we then get what five straight minutes where they just hang out at the party eating hors d'oeuvres like you said they do this non-prank where you know ladies rude so glow like unzips her dress a little bit like i was like okay well her dress is going to fall off later and that's going to be her comeuppance nope. never happens she just a, a little bit that lady's dress got slightly unzipped and they and they have at least three scenes where billy discusses eating caviar and is trying to steal food i was like but to what end 
What is the point of this? They're supposed to be rescuing sewer children. They spend like they just get they get to the party and they just decide they're going to have drinks. They give up on the sewer children immediately. Yeah, and then and we keep coming back to Dick, who's very proud of this exhibit, and he just keeps being like, "Where's Buckner? I think his name is. Where is he? He's where's, gone. Where's the He's Australian missing. guy? Where'd he go? I hope he's not robbing the place." <laughs> anyway, the misfits also, are doing by the way, this. don't you think it would be better if they had somehow go? Okay, there's like there's homeless children or children that have had things happen, so they've bounded together to kind of create a family, and they happen to live in the sewer. And this Australian guy is somehow using them to rob, uh, sure, rob the thing. Doesn't that doesn't that seem better? Yeah, because that these two ties things the don't. Together. It just doesn't work at all the way they've done. It. I'm like, but why are there kids in the sewer? They're just like because. Like, does it help the plot? No. Hey Jordan, we haven't talked about it in a while, but uh, Johnny B has been on his own plot for like 20 minutes of this episode. <laughs> After <laughs> Gina left him on their his fashion date. He has been in the sewers randomly walking around for 20 minutes. We just keep cutting back to him just walking through That's the right. sewers. Yeah. And he's getting sicker and sicker as it goes. Yeah. Finally, he bumps into the Australians in gas masks and sees them like poison it. Like he, they're filling the tubes up with like canisters of methane that he's, they're filling it, whatever, filling sewers up. They get in a fight. Johnny B gets knocked out unconscious and they're like, what do we do? They're like, I guess we just leave him to die in the explosion. Yeah. But conveniently for him, the kids find him. Bring them back to their lair, as it was. Yeah, this is this is our way of seeing there are more sewer children. Johnny B is rescued by them. We get to see their sewer hangout. Yeah, they're the Ninja Turtles. And, and I, I should I should say, it's not that bad looking for living in a sewer. No, they they did a nice job. They dressed it up yeah. quite nicely. Yeah. Um, I have a question though. Later on, uh, Johnny's going to because they're like, you're not you're taking in too much methane, and he's like, I can handle it. Don't worry. And it's something we haven't seen in a while, which is his super speed. And he rushes through, mm-hmm. um, but like kind of to no effect. Like it, he still gets sick. But also, why didn't he do that earlier? If he knew he was getting sick, why was he just lounging around? Like, why didn't you use that power? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. He meets these sewer kids, and they're like, they're like, yeah, we're hiding in our hangout because the rest of the rest of the sewers are poisonous, except in here. So we're just hi- hiding in here until it goes away. And then Johnny's like, oh, it's leaking in here too. So let me like rush out of here and get you help. And so, you know, he runs off and he's just, once again, just running around the sewers. I oh, and let me say, cares. he finds what I thought was like um, an explosive device. Like he finds like a little thing with mm-hmm. a timer and he's like, oh, hey, this shouldn't be here. He takes one. Then you see a series of him finding like multiple of these. But later on, the explosion is going to happen. So I'm like, did he just get a few of them? Is that what we're supposed to? There's just yeah, there's just so many he couldn't he couldn't oh, pick them so, all so up. So why not? Why even devices. have that? So I don't. I have no idea. I couldn't. Do you tell mean you. it's like I why? Why you. take the time to show him diffusing ten of the hundred bombs? Why? What does it matter? He didn't solve anything. Uh, I don't know. You needed more <laughs> runtime. <laughs> it's so bad. They back at the party, the misfits are still doing absolutely nothing, and they happen to bump into Gina, who's also crashed the party to I guess steal hors d'oeuvres for the sewer kids. I guess that's the idea, and. They have to, like, ask her for her help to rescue the kids. So they're like, you know, they've been at this party for, like, 45 minutes. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to save those kids. Let's ask Gina to help us. They head into the sewers where they bump into Johnny as he's making his way out. And they're like, oh, we know where the kids are. We've got gas. Like, it, like Johnny's plot had no purpose. They're like, well, let's go back. Give these kids gas masks. They walk the kids out of the sewers and... Like, there's this side thing where, like, Glow and Dr. L and Dr. Billy split off. And they're like, we need to find a way for the explosion to happen, but vent so it doesn't blow up the streets. And they're like, they have to, like, shrink 
Al down to put him in this room so he can open a door for them. So that I did, I can't like their plan is like if we open this door when the methane explodes, it will only explode outside out of a fountain. And I'm just like, that's not they how just that would need, work. They just need. They were like, we haven't used L's powers. We need to do the same thing he did, and I think it was the first episode, which is shrink him to get him through a doorway so he can open it. But it's to no result because then Glow, because again, she's overpowered. She just opens the doors with her power. So I'm like, so. Well, she her powers weren't strong enough. He needed to slightly open the doors ajar. I think, you know, it's so dumb. All of it's dumb. So they, they do that so that when it explodes, the street won't be damaged because the explosion will sure. just like quietly be forced out of a, it doesn't make any sense. They get the kids out. And as they're getting the kids out and they've opened up this vent so that it'll explode out the, the stupid fountain, Johnny looks around and he's like, where's Gina? And one of the kids like, oh, yeah, well, we were in the sewer. She said she was going to not take a gas mask and go get her bag from the hangout. Sure. And it's just so that Johnny has to rush back and save her from yeah. the methane. And, like, it's kind of the best part of the show, and which is kind of a weak thing to say to begin with. But he, like, scoops her up in his arms just as the explosion goes off and he has to like lightning run. So what we see is him outrunning the mm. explosion, which is fun. That's a, a good use of his powers, but it's, you know, there's no tension to it. And let me say real quick, you know, of these two episodes, I think they both have a problem with urgency. Like there's like, you're supposed to feel there's this momentum, but which episode do you think's worse in terms of like that sort of like, Hey, we got to get there. Like the viewers, like, are they going to make it in time? You know? Uh, I mean, I think probably, Space shuttle was less. Like, I didn't feel yeah, any pressure probably on that right. At least this one like has the idea an explosion's going to happen. Yeah. Fair enough. I think you're probably right. If I if I had to, yeah. It's like would I rather have diarrhea or vomit? And if you're wondering what the evil Australians were up to, they're dressed up as firefighters so that when the explosion goes off, they can go in and steal all the stuff. But when they arrive at the evacuated museum. For some reason, only Dick Stepmeyer has not left. Mm-hmm. He's he's just hung out after everyone's been evacuated. They're like, well, we're going to have to kill you now, Dick Stepmeyer, because you're trying to, you know, we're the people who found the treasure and we're also stealing the treasure. I think they like tell their mm-hmm. whole plan to him. And then Dr. Billy just appears at random. He's like, I found a spear gun. You're under arrest. Yep. And I guess they're under, we never see it again. They're just like, well, I guess that solved yeah. that. And then, and then we get sort of as as happens in these uh, episodes, we have like a little uh, button at the end, which is... Hold on. Before we get into this button at the end, Jordan, I haven't talked about it because it is the 17th plot of this episode, but there is another running there... plot that ties, this, that ties this whole episode together from the beginning to the end. And I'm going to describe it to you now, Jordan. We'll see if how well you remember this part of the plot. It's ha- it's, it, this is set up right at the beginning. Humanodyne is having a company picnic. The employees who oh, work at Humanodyne right. yeah, yeah. need to sell tickets to the company barbecue to the general public. For each ticket an employee sells, that employee earns one entry into a raffle to win a trip to us Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So the entire episode, Dr. Billy has been trying to sell tickets to the company barbecue to anyone he meets because he's in direct competition with human investigation team's secretary, Nance, who is better at selling tickets than him, but he wants that trip to Australia. So this is running throughout the entire episode, this concept. So in this final button, what we see is they all get back together at Mm -hmm. the lab. They're all celebrating the victory they had. We get told that Gina has been made the director. I've got it written down here. She's been made. I've written down because it's so insane. 
Gina, the sewer child, has been made the director of experimental projects with street kids. I, I guess. Sure, why well, not? But so it's, so they're well, like, it's, whole, it's weird because, one, they have they think the viewer is so invested that you're like, well, what happens to Gina now? It's like, no one cares. No one cares what happens to Gina as a viewer. You could kill her. I could care less. The director of special projects with street kids. I don't know what that means. doesn't matter. They're all going to the. They're all headed off to the company barbecue. They've all been selling tickets to, mm-hmm. the, which I don't understand how that even works. Why would you sell tickets to the? I don't understand. It doesn't matter. And Doctor Billy is sad and pouty because he did not win the trip to Australia. Mm-hmm. And the secretary Nance walks by, and Doctor Billy's like, <laughs> "Nance, you won fair and square. Will you take me to Australia with you?" And she's like, "Sorry, I can't. I'm already taking." She says, "Barry and Herb." And he's like, but there are only two tickets to Australia. How can you bring two guests? And he's like, wait, isn't Herb the Invisible Man? And we're left, I guess, to laugh so hard at this concept. Yeah. That's it. I don't like. So, so like, I say this really quickly. So here's what's happening this episode. One, is it mole men? No. Second, second plot. It's street kids who live in the sewer. We have to rescue street kids. All right, great. That's a that's a plot. Next plot. Australians want to blow up the city streets to steal treasure. All right, that's another plot. Fine, whatever. Uh, next plot. Johnny wants to get together with this Gina lady who keeps watching him. Okay, there's another plot. And then we're like, Dick Stetmeyer has to run out of gala. There's another plot. And then it's just like, we have to do a barbecue to sell tickets to win Hawaii ticket. Like, all of these things are happening simultaneously in the weirdest, most unconnected yeah. well, ways. Well, that, that's that's the the most important part. There's nothing wrong with having complications, but you shouldn't notice them as a viewer. And none of these connect in any sort of meaningful way. So you're just like, what? And and it's just like scene after scene of like cutting back and forth. You're like, now Gina's running. Now we're under the ground with gas. And now Dick is worried about uh, his sushi. And you're like, what? what is happening in this episode? It's such a mess. It's so convoluted. It's just so convoluted. Yeah. And and that's pretty much it. So yeah, isn't it hilarious? She went with her boyfriend and an extra guy who's invisible. There you go. Yeah, and I mean we haven't talked about it, but like each episode they keep re- referencing there's an invisible mm-hmm. man who like is always there that we can't like he has X-rays but we can't tell if they work. He's invisible. Is, was he standing in the right place? And like I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, and that's it. I mean I'll tell you. I hope I hope this is just a dip and the next few episodes are better because I thought episodes one through three were pretty decent, especially the pilot. And uh, man, these are bad. That's probably a good time then, Jordan. What do you what do you want to rate Lost Link? Well, I'm not going to rate it high. And let me just say something. I know this show isn't interested in making a comment or uh, uh, really developing any major ideas. It's supposed to be a fun time. I get that. So you don't want to criticize it for that. But it seems odd to have an episode, and I'll use their term, to have this sort of primitive person and not have it really be about humanity as a whole, about where we were, where we're going, where we are now. Communication. And communication, all everything things. about it. They don't, they're not interested in that at all. It's just like, it's just, it's such, it's so fluffy and so dumb that it's just, I, I, I'll tell you, I will never remember this episode. I'm going to forget about it this week and never think about it again. Two out of ten. Two out of ten. Yeah, I mean, it has almost the exact opposite problem next pro- of the next episode. Like, it has so little going yeah. on that they just have to, like, 
like most of the episode is based around like they've lost link which is i guess the name of the episode lost link like and it like like I said, it's just like they're just wandering around trying to find a guy for the majority and then nothing, of the episode. It's not like anything interesting so happens boring. to him while he is gone. He doesn't discover anything about no. himself or about society. He's just gone wonking down the street. That's it. Yeah, just killing some time, everybody. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't know. Like, There's nothing to do in this yeah. episode. So I'm also going to give it yeah. a two. Now, episode five. I'm going to argue, and I don't know why. Because I it, structurally, this is a much worse episode. But I weirdly i think it's a slightly better episode i don't know because at least there's stuff happening but only marginally so so i'm gonna give it a uh, uh two and a half two and a half for sort of searching i just for didn't like camera. it i didn't like this episode i here's the thing i think we agree like these are similar and they're bad but they're bad in almost sort of different mm-hmm. ways like this one is overly packed with so much stuff that none of it matters or adds up and like it's the exact opposite problem of the last episode in some ways i mean same problem that it's both boring yeah. boring is the overall yes problem. you're right they're, like, they're both really boring. boring is different this one was unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> i'm giving it a nice. one i'm giving it a See, one you know what's funny i don't know why i gave this a higher score because as we talked about like this is a worse episode it is a worse episode. I I at least felt something for Link. In <laughs> That's the last true. Episode. I felt nothing for the sewer kids. I felt nothing for Gina. I felt nothing for anyone. You're right. You know what? Can I change my score? Absolutely. One and a half. One and a half. <laughs> you're right. You're 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 absolutely right. I change. I change my feelings. One and a half out of ten. These are bad episodes. Take that, misfits. Yeah. I mean, it, these are these were bad. These were bad episodes of television. Of of again, a show that has shown it can be very whimsical and fun and sort of silly and hit on those um those fun sort of 1980s movies and tv show that are kind of just fun and and these are just not fun episodes they're boring episodes and we don't know enough about the characters and we haven't um learned to love them enough that the episodes can can hang on their personalities like billy's not uh, a charismatic enough character that you could just waste 45 minutes and and he'll come and be like ain't I a stinker no no you're not yeah I it's it nothing about this show is gelling there's just no way of putting it it's just I couldn't tell you why they need to be misfits of science in order to do these plots I, there doesn't appear to be a reason right yeah you're right because it's again it's the thing I said before what is what is their their lab and their group trying to accomplish i don't know what their goal is and that's a weird thing to be asking five episodes into the show like when you watch the x-files you know what what Mulder and scully are trying to accomplish when you're watching uh, uh uh ghostbusters you know what they're trying to accomplish when you watch whatever it's it's very clear and this it's like they're kind of just fumbling their way through things because because they're misfits i guess it's just not good yeah, I, it is It is so odd. And the thing is, like, when you're at Humanodyne, when you're in that lab area, you get a sense of what this show is. It's like a mm-hmm. goofy show where they're going to have to, like, solve a, like, a weirdo, like, a weirdo guy is going to show up and they're going to have to figure out, like, how to cure him or how to let him live his life with this weirdo power. But when you leave Humanodyne, that's never the plot to the episode. Right. Yeah. And we've, and we've had such disparate episodes. We've had them go into like Mayan temples. We've had this heist episode. We've had this, I'm going to say missing link episode, even though it's not what it is. It's just like, these are, they're so odd and so different. And again, as you said earlier, 
I don't know if they feel like they're from the same TV show. I agree. I agree. Jordan, we've watched five episodes. That's three podcasts worth of Misfits mm-hmm. of Science. Do you know what that means? Oh, wow. It's We have to check and see what our score is. We do have to check and see what our score is. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot that's a thing we do on our own show. It's because I think this season we have hadn't had too many shows that have been at much jeopardy of uh, us escape potting. Yeah. Yeah. But this, the, our scores right now, we might have just done it. Well, let me let me punch everything into the continued drag computer. I'm curious to see how this turns out because okay. we came in pretty hot in that pilot, actually. The pilot's a good pilot. Yeah. So let, let's see what the computer says, Jordan. All right. Are you ready to hear what the average rating currently is <laughs> yeah. for Misfits of Science? Yeah. yeah. It is 4.1. Oh, we're going. Get in that escape pod, Jordan. Set off the alarm. You know what? I, I'm glad. These episodes were so bad. You know what? This show should go into the sewer and live like those dirty little children because it sucks. Have we watched anything with with such a with a pilot that came in like that a pilot that we thought was so good to like just a complete collapse this quickly? No, we've we've seen shows like increasingly get worse, but the, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where it's was so dramatic how bad it got. Like this is bad. I'm glad. Usually I feel a little bit uh, uh, a little bit sad that we're not going to watch the whole thing. I don't even want to watch the last episode. These were terrible. It's so funny. We have so we have so many of these episodes theoretically to watch that I was like trying to figure out how I was going to do different segments for so many episodes and like how I was going to parse them out over all that time. And now all that work is for naught. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, we keep watching it, but I don't think either of us want to, do we? Let's no, just watch I'm, the last episode. Get out of here. Let's load up that escape pod, buddy. We're going to come back next week. We're going to watch the final episode of Misfits of Science. Thank goodness. And what what number is that? How many episodes did they get through? About 13, 14 episodes? Jordan, I don't know how to tell you this, but we if we had watched this, we would have watched almost as much of this show as we did Kolchak. There's almost as many episodes of this as Kolchak. Oh. oh yeah, we've got to get out. I don't think there's I don't think this show can redeem itself. This is a disaster. I've I I don't I can't think of a show we've watched that has just been like gone from fall in the space <laughs> so badly so quickly. <laughs> Oh, I've, I'm really excited. I'm glad we're taking the, uh, what do we call it? The shuttle, shuttle, escape uh, shuttle pod. It's bay. an escape pod. <laughs> the escape pod. That's right. All right, Jordan. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. So if you, the listener, want to get a hold of us, you can email us at continuumdrag.gmail.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have clips from this week's episodes. There's going to be some dancing. There's going to be uh, a clown exploding, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, th- do, do you think the scene works very well where she pulls the lady's zipper down? I mean, we didn't even see anything. No, that's a good question. Uh, no, probably not. Probably not. You'll have to watch Mr. Science for yourself to see that hilarious gag. Oh, don't. Honestly, I- I- let me just say before we sign off, we w- us describing this don't explain how bad these episodes are. Like, we we sound like it's not terrible. These are terrible episodes. Oh, I mean, I think we sound terrible, too. <laughs> Okay, good. Okay. I want to make it clear. I don't want anyone to ever have to watch this. All right. Well, listener, thank you for joining us this week. And Jordan, I will see you next week. Finally, last episode. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.